Hi, I'm James Brooks, and welcome to From the Factory Floor, a conversational podcast about all things startup and tech, brought to you by the folks at thestartupfactory.tech. So, welcome to another episode of From the Factory Floor with your usual team of James and Ian. Hi, Ian. Hi, James. How are you doing? Yeah, not so bad. It's a very sunny day here, so I uh, can't complain. That puts you in a good mood. Can't be bad. Always does. And this week, uh, we're very kindly joined by TSF's newest team member, Nairi. Hi, Nairi. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Yeah, not so sunny here, but it has been, so that's all good. So... Um, Nairi's joined TSF as uh, to really help and push on sort of the marketing efforts that we do. So I think rather than uh, me trying to explain it, I might actually hand, might as well hand over to the expert Nairi and just talk us, give a quick introduction to yourself. And what is you? What did you do? Okay, thanks, James. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I would have liked to have heard you tr- explain it. I think. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm Nairi. I've been working with Startup Factory for a couple of weeks now, but been speaking to um, Ian and some of the team for a bit longer. Um, I've got quite a potted history, I think, in, in terms of marketing, but I've only ever worked in marketing, so there hasn't been any career diversification for me. I'm a bit boring in that respect. Did it at uni and that, that's been it for me. Um, so I've worked in travel, automotive, um, healthcare public sector agencies um, and then last year started getting a lot more involved in startups um, and I absolutely love it and I kind of made a decision this year that that was where I wanted to focus um, a lot more on. I had a baby um, last year as well so I had to kind of do a bit of a juggling act and reevaluate a few things and um, you know for various reasons I, I absolutely love the startup it, it is chaos uh, but I like that it really suits me um, and getting involved in in everything as well um, I'm, I'm that type of person so um, yeah I've been working with um, Ian and, and yourself and the rest of the team for a couple of weeks now I've had the pleasure of meeting some of your um your startups that you're working with. Um, I've got a couple I'm working with um, separately as well around um, healthcare, financial services, that type of thing. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been great, really interesting. Everyone um, is very unique. Um, everything is very unique, but there are a lot of really common principles as well, which I think has been has been nice. Well, I think that's the uh, the point where we uh, we got to, and we, I mean, chaos is a good word, isn't it? Because it's creative and it's experimental and free-flowing but I think we we got to a point with ours where we became a little bit routine and lacked focus and lacked structure and I think you you brought that kind of discipline aspect of marketing to us but also kind of lifted our heads up really in terms of content and and messaging and, and just being a bit more open-minded and forward-thinking about marketing. Because I think marketing can be seen as a bit of a touchy-feely, softy thing. Mm. But I think undoubtedly, um, from a startup's perspective, it's a, a key part of their armory. No, I think it's all – I think, like you say, I think the other thing is the expertise as well. Because I think a lot of people can think they can do marketing. Because they think it's, you know, put a couple of posts on social media – couple of blogs but obviously that's just kind of 
a drop in the ocean in terms of actually making something really organised and actually having an effort and a purpose, which, like I say, I think is what Nairi's already started to help us with. So, I mean, from your experience now, what's the main difference between, obviously, and obviously it's always interesting for us anyway here, is in terms of the difference between the startups and sort of the, co- the corporate commercial world? Oh, blimey. Um, there's, loads, there's loads. And listen, you know, one isn't better than the other. Um, it de- I think it depends who you are and, and what you like. Um, I passionately believe that marketing is not a service. So, um, and I think in a lot of corporate worlds, they're obviously more established. They know who their audience are um, or their target market. And it's it, the process, no matter what organization you're working in, the process can become very autonomous. You kind of get into that sales cycle. You're cr- doing the creative, you're doing the messaging, you might refresh the website, etc. But actually in a startup, everything's up for grabs. Um, and I think the thing that's, um, the, the more I work in it, and I think it surprises a lot of people is how early you need to, have somebody with that marketing hat on whether it's somebody who's got the expertise um or you know someone that's got a keen interest because marketing is about talking to it's about talking to people um and that's not just customers that can be investors your stakeholders b2b etc and finding out what they want to hear and then making sure that we're tailoring the message to them in the right way so if you're going down the route of creating an app or a website or a product and you get right to the end point and you go, well, that's great. How do we create the advert? For me, it's too late because there's a lot of value that marketing has a lot earlier on in, in the process. So, um, it it can be, you know, create a couple of social media ads and do a nice PowerPoint. But for me, that's not marketing. That's, you know, a bit more of a design or, or an afterthought and it shouldn't be an afterthought, particularly not in startups. It needs to be really um, early on in the process. No, I think the point you said there about the messaging and who is it you're trying to focus and what do they want to hear, I think is often the part that people miss. It's like saying before about people who do a post on social media or whatever. It's not really got a purpose it's not targeting it's not got an action associated with it so i guess is the key the real importance of marketing and why it's seen so early is to make sure you're targeting the right people in the right way yeah and you, and you understand who they are and what they want to hear that's the difference between marketing and broadcast so we can schedule 10 social media posts on what we want to tell people but that's broadcast or we can spend a lot of time listening to customers and finding out what's important to them what motivates them and what equally demotivates them or detracts them and we can craft something that meets the needs of the customers um you know through products or tech and that's marketing um and for me that's that's the key difference yeah we talked on a previous podcast around the importance is, you know, concept of product market fit and early customers getting traction. Um, and for me, what marketing helps there, as James alluded to, was the kind of targeting the right the right buyers, creating a compelling message uh, around our capability. Um, you know, the problem we're solving, the testing work we've done, the case studies, the purpose of the business. I also think as well, one thing that you've brought home to us, Nairi, is um, kind of getting the profile of the team out there in a startup as well, the capability, the skills, the experience, because that, that obviously gives those early adopter customers confidence that there's, there's a capability there 
behind their products that they may be kind of the guinea pigs for. Yeah, and I think people buy from people, don't they? It's such a sort of cliche thing to say, but particularly in this day and an era and age you know we're not just buying the product we want to know what the ethos of the company is we want to know who runs that company we want to know the backstories um it all and particularly through social media that's all available to everybody so historically you would be talking about the product and here's the features and the benefits but now we have to talk about and here's the people that made it and this is the story where it came from and this is the team involved and this is how we work and you know even down to things like HR policies um, and, you know, um, working environments and work-life balance, that's equally important um, when we're making a decision about which brands to to engage with and, and build relationships with. And it very much mimics what investors look for, especially like we do in these early stages where it is really about the people and their story and their message as much as, because a lot of the time the product won't actually exist yet, you know, whether yeah. it's an idea, I mean, obviously We've done sessions recently where the founders have got fantastic backstories that lead into what the product is and why it exists, but the product doesn't exist yet. So it really is about the team and their message and then eventually how that message translates into the product and how that's going to then go to the right individuals who actually it needs to be in front of. Yeah, I mean the product. I wouldn't say this to your to your team in the office, but the product you can change, can't you? That's the easy thing to change. She says, <laughs> having no product <laughs> design say, experience. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Don't let them listen to this. But you can change the product. We can't change the people, um, and we can't change the story and their and their motivation. And and that's is is as important um, as as the product. I guess. You know, and once you've got got the team, and then you start to develop that product, and how you then almost showing the journey. I mean, if you look at some of our startups like Social Plug, I think some of the work that Reese does in terms of showing his journey and the product development, I guess, gives anyone who's then looking and wants to be involved with it such a a good story. I guess that's what part of my is telling the story, isn't it, of the person yeah. through to here we are today. Yeah, absolutely. And the channels that we all kind of live and breathe on now, whether we like it or not, are all about stories, aren't they? And telling and telling stories and creating content. And again, it goes back to that principle of what do people want to hear? What are they interested in? Not necessarily what do we want to tell them? Hmm. Uh, that's a good point. Because I think, again, <clears throat> anyway, I think we are, <clears throat> we're as guilty as this as anyone. Um, you get very passionate about your thing and energized by what you're doing and you really need to kind of step to the other side of the table and live in your customer's world and communicate in a, in a style and, and tone and content that kind of resonates and, and connect them. Um, and that's the content strategy piece, which I think you're helping us with. Um, and it's just been really insightful, I think, in terms of um, how easy it is to miss some key messaging um, just by not thinking about it and, and by being overly energized about what you're doing rather than thinking what what does the customer want why would they buy from you why are you different and getting those messages across yeah yeah definitely i suppose especially you've got a mixed message as well like tsf's a good example where you know obviously we're here for founders to help them you know realize their vision and create the mvc to steal eric's terminology from yesterday the minimum viable company but also you know there's opportunities for investors and how you then mix your messaging 
or have very different channels. Like that's why you know I know some bits go through Instagram, some bits go through LinkedIn because it's slightly more professional message potentially. I just don't get Instagram. <laughs> you will, you will. <laughs> but you're right. I think one of the complicated things for us um, is you know our, our our target audience is investors, founder entrepreneurs, and tech folk. And it's very, you know, three very diverse, different uh, audiences that are looking for different things. So, yeah, I think uh, three three weeks in, I think we, we've learned a lot from you, Nairi. It's been really helpful to articulate what our proposition is, the channels, the language, um, and equally up, up the effort and the ante and kind of make marketing an integral part of your everyday activity. It's not a one-off thing, do it on a Monday and, and take care of it. Um, it's kind of live and breathe it as part of the the energy in the business, really. Yeah, and I think that's why it's always helpful to have somebody in some capacity just with that head on, because I haven't really had to create anything for you. All of those assets have been there. Those conversations have been there. It's just my focus is thinking, okay, how can we use that externally or how can we turn that mm-hmm. into a post? But you're already doing all of the stuff and that's where, you know, if you haven't got somebody with that, just with that kind of remit or that mindset, it does kind of end up sort of slipping away, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really something that, you know, I think like I think we said all the way through when I think we did an earlier podcast about marketing with um, uh, Georgia, and it was about how so many people forget about marketing to some extent. Like you say, it's, you know, I'll organise a few posts and buffer, and I know I've been guilty of doing that at times of, you know, it's, We've done something. That's it. Never, not thinking too deeply about it. When, like you say, a lot of companies, not just ourselves, create this great content, but a lot of the times it just doesn't translate into actually something being pushed out or it's a post being created. It's just a lot of mm-hmm. times it just happens because there's no one with that mindset, and it's something that founders should probably make sure they try and add to their mindset every time they're doing something. Is like I said, with Reese, the amount of times I've turned around, he's got his camera out taking a picture of a yeah. meeting to put a post out. And I think it's a really good example. I know um, Richard Spokes did something similar as well, always taking pictures and putting posts. And he managed to generate a really close-knit community of people who were following his story, but also interested in the product and then became interested in the product. And they became his core users, which I think is kind of testament to what can happen if you do it right. They can, and, and he'll he'll have built a, a very loyal customer base that way that traditionally he probably or anyone would have probably had to spend a real lot of money um, and a long time to kind of nurture those people. But they've bought into him. They've been part. They feel like they're part of his journey because they've consumed his his content and therefore feel very loyal. And I think even if you know people do make mistakes, you know startups make mistakes. I'm not sure I really believe in mistakes. I think they're just opportunities to learn what works and what doesn't. But, you know, if there are those things, people are very forgiving of that because they've already built that that relationship and that brand and they've, they've bought into you. So I think, again, that's really important. Yeah, we, we talk a lot about the founder journey. Uh, and I think that's um, – you can message that out quite nicely. We're currently doing a fundraising um, for free up. Uh, with Tom and you know in the deck there's a timeline of Tom's journey um, from academia to you know getting his first device with us and what the last 18 months have been around testing piloting and pivoting um, 
And I think that tells you a lot about the personality of the individual and, you know, the warmth and the character and how the, the founder creates personal engagement, as you say, around the brand of the company is synonymous, really, with the brand of the founder. Um, and that's what people buy into, you know, giving it a go, doing something innovative, doing something new. And, you know, I'd like to think gen- generally the people we work with are decent, nice people as well that you can have a beer with. Yeah. And um, that, I think that's always helpful. No, I mean, I guess the question then really is once you've, and again, it's almost at what point almost marketing almost can, must pivot from you've got your early adopters, the people who are willing to take a bit more of a punt of really bought into the story of how does it then translate to taking that potentially quite close-knit community you've developed and making that slightly more mass market is a very different challenge. Yeah, well, it, is, it is a different challenge. Sorry, Ian, go on. Oh, no, I was going to answer the question as a marketing expert. <laughs> go on. <laughs> uh, sorry, I mean, sorry to interrupt. No, I mean, my, my simple take on that is, is, is then basically about lead generation and, and building your funnel. I think once you've found your messaging that works, it's creating that traction. Um, it is actually the going through the, that, that sales funnel and the various stages uh, of that. Um, I, th- I think that's personally quite simple, but I know it's complicated to enact. Yeah, I think the other thing I was going to say is those that close-knit community – how do we then turn them into ambassadors mm. so that you can scale it on that platform as well? Um, you are, you know, they, they work, per, it works perfectly with the concept of, of funnel management, but, you know, you then have these brand advocates that are out there championing and recommending your brand, um, generating those leads almost for you through, through word of mouth, um, educating people on, on what you're doing. So uh, that's the first step. And then obviously we, we want to evolve it. So they almost become, um, to use a phrase that that Reese would talk about a lot, you know, micro influencers or nano influencers, as we talked about <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> just to, to scale, because and I guess the interesting thing, or the way I was thinking about it, is your initial early adopters are very much based on your story and your messaging, and then once you go to sort of the mass market, you almost want to make it about your customers' stories. And yeah, like say the ambassador, that almost ambassadorial role, and so, so you can see it doesn't just work for me. It's worked for all these other people. And that's when you get the people who are slightly more potentially risk-averse, don't want to buy into something too early. The people who aren't looking on Kickstarter every day to try and find something new and exciting and take a bit of a punt. You can see, actually, it's, it is successful. There's testimonials. I know something that we're very keen on in terms of TSF, and we've had some fantastic feedback from our founders in the past. And I guess, it's it, again, it's widening that message to try and reach as many people as possible, but still maintain that integrity. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess when it comes to that, is, it's also we've spoken a lot around the theory of it. And I'm trying to think of some really good examples sort of in a wider context of startups that have done something really groundbreaking or different in terms of their marketing. I don't know if you guys have got it's- any examples of that. You had one, Ian, didn't you? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think they're, they're obviously, I mean, BrewDog are currently courting a little bit of adverse publicity and controversy around some workforce morale issues. But I think when uh, when BrewDog were, were kind of founded back in 2007, um, you know, they had a purpose. They were, they were just fed up of mass-produced uh, industrial quality beer and lager and... Um, 
James Watt and Martin Dickey and Brecken, the uh, chocolate Labrador from where Brewdog's name kind of launched. And I think there's so much within that around the personality, the, you know, the, the imagery of the dog, uh, traipsing around the brewery. Um, and their, their whole branding and marketing and messaging has just been consistent about being disruptive, maybe a touch arrogant at times, but certainly memorable. I mean, hardcore was that how hardcore IPA, uh, I'm a bit of a fanboy of Brewdog, so <laughs> hardcore IPA was their first beer and they kind of attached the product names the brand values to the purpose um they obviously launched equity for punks um and was one of the early um adopters of crowdsourcing and crowdfunding as a vehicle for kind of aligning investment with customers which is a, a really clever marketing play because uh, you generate lifetime value and alignment between uh, two key stake- stakeholders and then they've just done consistently done things that have been controversial but consistent i'd say with branding so from a startup um you know the product name has been great but back in i think it was 2016 they open sourced all their beer recipes so they kind of gave away their secret sauce but that's consistent with being maverick and, and disruptive so i think for me that, that, that it's a great story notwithstanding the current turbulence of having a consistent brand message, content, clarity, and, you know, I think everyone knows some of the product names have just been quite remarkable, and creativity uh, has been great. So, yeah, BrewDog's a standout startup marketing story for me. I mean, you managed to do that, all of that, without mentioning the tank as well, which I think is actually yeah, quite yeah, impressive. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's one yeah, of those I don't know, when they, um, when they did their first fundraising, they um, drove a tank and happened to stall it outside the Bank of England. <laughs> Um, so some absolutely epic guerrilla marketing tactics, mm. uh, yeah. I think, and I still think Tactical Nuclear Penguin was the uh, best name that they did for a beer. Um, well, I think they obviously when uh, Dominic Cummings went on his venture to go and get his eyes tested and they produced Barnard Castle Ale, <laughs> yeah. um, which again says a lot about the startup mentality because within two weeks of Cummings going to Barnard Castle, they'd, they'd got a new product out there branded and if you ever go back and look at the tin, it kind of it's like going to the opticians. It starts off clear and then goes hazy. The uh, the labelling on the tin, obviously mimicking the fact that you went for an eye test. So, you know, I think being current and, and being creative uh, has been one of their forties. Mm. I think that's a big thing about the difference between that startup mentality and the big corporate organisations, isn't it? That they somehow have have created and maintained that culture of having an idea and almost executing it at the same time. Um, whereas I think a lot of corporates probably would have had a six month timeline to maybe even agree whether or not to do that. Um, type of project and I think the the big thing is if it didn't work it didn't matter it doesn't matter it's no it doesn't it hasn't ruined their reputation or anything like that particularly in the world of sort of Instagram stories and social media 24 hours later it's all gone as long as you've not kind of caused harm to anybody it's much better to try and do some of these things like the guerrilla tactics and yes we'll remember lots of them but there's lots that have probably happened that didn't have that impact haven't necessarily damaged a brand um i mean the couple that i i suppose they're not really startups anymore but i always used to talk quite a lot about innocent drinks because i think they were very disruptive um 
and and had a very different approach when they launched um, and came to market um, originally. So they had a really kind of quite a quirky tone of voice on social media and they really built that community well um they did a lot of things that were fun but they really and they have like i think in their twitter bio it was like buy some buy our drinks so we don't get fired like no one would ever really (laughs) say anything like that would they again you'd never get that type of thing signed off um in a corporate organization but they just really bought that personality out um they built followers they built a community they did a lot of fun and games um they kept their product really simple so they didn't try and overcomplicate it they just talked about the three or four ingredients that went into that bottle and then they let their personality do the rest through all of their their channels so I always used to talk about that and then um, stop talking about it when they got bought out by Coca-Cola because <laughs> they're not a startup anymore. Um, and then the other one I always like, I, I talk about a lot because I think it's really important and it shows how they've managed to grow is Amazon. So Amazon, I, I believe, still don't hold a meeting um, internally unless there's a memo created that talks about how that meeting is going to benefit the customer. And that is, you can't get any more kind of marketing advocacy than that, can you? You know, they're so customer centric that you know conversations meetings and time is not wasted unless it absolutely benefits that customer and it keeps everyone in that organization really really close to the the customer and having that customer first mindset so i always think there's a lot that can be learned from that type of principle so i mean going back to the um, innocent example i remember going to a talk that the founders did with the ue in an innovate uk conference I remember them saying when they first came up with the idea and it were talking about going back to the story and really follow how they've injected their personality was they went to um, it's like Camden Fair or something like that with a load of these bottles of this fruit juice smoothies made. And there was two bins. One said, should we give up our day jobs and make this? and mm. Or should we go back to our day jobs? And uh, by the end of the day, there was only four bottles in the, uh, should we, you know, go back to your day jobs, and it turned out is their parents, oh. <laughs> and kind of how that story and that sort of very simple but very effective messaging is kind of carried through. And then I suppose going on to Amazon is a nice way to link through to a, the final part of what we wanted to discuss today, which is um, the book. Well, I, think. Yeah, I didn't even realise I did that. I queued it up perfectly, yeah. didn't I? That's going to say is. We've we've written a book, so uh, obviously it's ne- it's got the uh, same name as the uh, podcast from the factory floor. It's uh, on Amazon, so uh, thanks for uh, queuing that one in very nicely, Nairi. So uh, I mean, I suppose Ian, it was I know it's uh, yours and Guy's brainchild, really. Do you want to sort of just say a little bit about the book, what it is, who's it for? I think the um, it's Ooh, about the pa- our passion for startups, really. really. But, um, um, that, I, I'll, think... uh, I'll, I might as well fill in while he's uh, struggling. So I can still hear him. Oh, oh, oh he's up? back. Yeah, I, I, somebody's new froze and I dropped out. Can you hear me now? Yep, loud and clear. Okay. Yeah, the book. Well, I think there's a number of things that capture why we wanted to do a book, which kind of reflect the ethos of a startup. And, you know, as Nari's indicated, try and keep that spark of being a startup, although we're three years into our journey. I think our purpose was to help people realise their dreams and ambitions. And the book is a manifestation of that because we put our blood, sweat, tears, experience and 
know-how into the book as a DIY guide for people to you know get some insight and share it. It's got our passion in um, and our passion for startups and everything around what that venture looks like. Um, but it's also got no hype and it's grounded. And, and that's what, uh, you know, we're made in Manchester and we've got that ethos. Uh, we're, we are substance over style. And I think that's, again, a virtue that's important for startups and how they are and also their marketing in terms of, you know, you've got to work hard at something. Um, but the book, yeah, I'm really proud of the book. But for me, it's about the spirit of what we're about. It's got the passion, why we do it, who we do it for. And then the content of it, I think, it, you know, just captures hopefully some really useful messages of experience and, and takeaways for, for uh, people that are thinking of doing their own thing. No, I think when we started the, uh, when we came up with the idea of writing the book, and it's not just Ian, it's not just Guy, it's not just myself. I think every single member of the TSF team at the time contributed to the book. So whether you're a techie, there's uh, bits around architecture, uh, choosing a tech stack, whether it's more the process in terms of project management, whether it's the financial, the legal. I think the way that we approached the book was there's something in it for everyone in terms of advice or our story or what what we've experienced as TSF and the TSF network. That means it should be a valuable resource for anyone just to have, almost get that, that first step on the ladder if they were thinking of doing it and becoming a founder. But that's uh, now av- it, and it is now available on Amazon, as we mentioned, on uh, in physical and Kindle edition. Yeah, and I think the way the way we intend to use it um, is as a, you know a piece of tangible collateral because everything is on digital these days. But you know, post COVID, um, I'm a great advocate of face to face meeting people, meeting meeting groups of people, doing meetups, and I think the book is a tangible. Um, artifact of what we're about, and it, it's quite different in this day and age. And um, from a you know from a recruitment and a hiring point of view, it uh, hopefully kind of shows you that we you know we're passionate about what we about what we're about <clears throat> and why we want to do it. Yeah. So if anyone wants to check out the book, it is available on Amazon, and I'm sure there'll be a uh, future editions where we can uh, Nairi, you might be able to chip in with a. Chapter or some some advice from uh, marketing, <laughs> a whole page. Is that with pictures or without? <laughs> yeah, I'll make them. I'll make them look nice. <laughs> so, I think that's kind of it for today. I mean, usually we do sort of a, a key takeaway from uh, the podcast. So, Nairi, I think, is there any one piece of advice if there's a founder listening who's kind of thinking about the marketing efforts and what they're doing is the one one key thing you'd want them to take away from what we've said today just the earlier the better the earlier the better ian how about yourself uh for me i'd say and this this is a bit after the um after the event for me but with hindsight um i would get a marketing professional into your team um so to support nari's point the earlier the better um, don't think you can do the marketing yourself. Uh, you can get some good content, but it's about distribution and connecting. So get a marketing person into your team who will uh, really leverage and help you do that. I think for me, it'd be, you know, get you, know, so you have to get someone with expertise in, like we did with Nairi. Um, 
because it isn't something that is is in the forefront of your mind when you're doing things and there's a lot of content you create and just think about who you're trying to target in the message that and obviously buy the book <laughs> link i'm sure we can get the links in below but uh no thank you very much nari for your first appearance on, on the you. factory floor thanks very much and i don't know how many you've appeared on now ian but you're probably due a break at some point i'm probably a veteran actually now but so yeah I'm, I'm due a break my, my voice is going so i'll uh I'll turn next week off. <laughs> I think you're second only to me on podcast now. So, <laughs> well, uh, thank you very much, you guys, and thanks everyone for listening. And yeah, we'll hopefully okay. catch you in the next one. Cheers. Thanks, Larry. Yeah. Thanks, James. Bye. I think that just about wraps things up here. If you have any thoughts or questions on anything we said today, get in touch, whether that be through our Twitter at RealTSF or email at hello at startupfactory.tech, or feel free to drop in for a coffee and a chat as ever. Thanks for listening.